You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we go long on endurance and also throw in a little bit of Zen along the way. All right, the dust has settled. We have secret details about what happened at Kona. I've got a list of 12 things that you probably did not know that happened at Kona. And I got to tell you, I put it right at the top. Number one is it makes my jaw drop. I, when I heard this, I was like, no way. And I'm going to put that right at the front. I'm not going to do the thing where it's like, and number eight uh, makes coaches furious. And number six, you'll never believe. Although number, <laughs> look at this. <laughs> Number uh, six is like, wow, really? And then number four would make uh, coaches furious. And, oh, let's see. Number seven, you're going to be like, WTF, mate. It's some, it's a pretty uh, funky list. I try to get things that uh, you probably honestly would not know. And let's see. Also, we're going to talk about margins. And margins is uh, creating space. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how to create space and why. Just a little bit of space here and there. That's why it's called a margin, like on the edge of a page. And it's it's nice. Like imagine if writing in a book went all the way to the edge of the paper, all the way to the edge, both sides, top and bottom, both sides, left and right. It would be like ugly. It would be hard to read, right? So those little margins around the, the outside of the, of the print it's actually nice. It's usable. So we're going to talk about how to do that in your life. And also in the training log, I have some fun audio. We went and did a sprint triathlon. I, I acted as crew and Emily, my lovely triathlete wife, uh, got fourth and I think it was fourth in her age group. And so I was just I was just supporting, and then uh, Kai, my now thirteen year old son, he, was he twelve? He might have been twelve. No, he might have been thirteen. Anyway, he was on the on the cusp. He won the entire juniors division, which is like fifteen and under or something like that. And he led the race from the start of the swim. It's absolutely crazy uh, how well he did. And I'm really excited about that. And I think we got a little bit of audio from him, but we have audio from the race and, and, uh, lots of fun like that. And then just random, uh, triathlon training tips and stuff like that mixed in with the rest of the training log. All right, let's go ahead and get down to business with the top 12 things that you didn't know that happened at Kona. Now, number one, that's, this is the one where, I said I just couldn't, could not believe this. Uh, it just came out of left field. I was listening to the Brick Sessions podcast, and they had a pro on there, uh, Will Clark or William Clark, Clark uh, C L A R K E, 
who was not racing Kona this year, I believe. He sat out, but he's raced it before, I think, and he's a, he's a good pro. And he said that Patrick Lange, and that's how you have to say it, Lange, Lange, that's how you say it. Patrick Lange won, by the way, which was kind of kind of a surprise win because everybody expected Jan Ferdino to, um, to win. Um, but Will Clark said that Patrick and Jan don't like each other. They actually have a beef with each other. And I was like, really? That is strange because they both seem like nice guys and would like anybody. But apparently they have actually issues with each other. I don't know what the issues are or what that's about. And if, uh, if they've gotten over it yet, but it was mind numbing when I've, when I was like, no way. And there's something about when, uh, at the finish line video where Lionel Sanders comes across in second, uh, Patrick Lange, <laughs> I have trouble saying that cause I always, I learned it as Lange. So I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to do the Lange thing. Um, when Lionel Sanders comes across the uh, finish line, Patrick uh, gives him a high five and grabs his fist and does this like super intense, like, yeah, like that. And he's so pumped. And then after, I thought it was kind of, it's something about it seemed kind of weird. It should have been more like, you know, like, good job. You know, we did pretty good and uh, that kind of thing. But instead it was like the super intense, yeah. And now knowing that uh, Jan and Patrick don't like each other, I'm thinking that, you go watch this video, see if you think the same thing, that Patrick was super excited that he and Lionel Sanders uh, both beat Jan, which seemed to be impossible to do. And he's just super stoked about that. And that, that, uh, that beating somebody that you don't like, that could get you to go, yeah, you know, and get all crazy about it. So watch that, watch that footage now, knowing this. And uh, if you don't believe me, go back and listen to the Brick Sessions podcast with uh, Will Clark and uh, catch what he said. It was absolutely really crazy. Okay, that was number one. Number two, the thing I thought was so funny, probably the funniest, God, there's so many funny things, but one of the funniest things is when Lionel Sanders started running i don't was he in first place on the run hold on sit break he might have been in first place on the run um uh, starting out of t2 the uh his run form was like this it looked like he'd been shot in the leg and he was kind of hobbling and one side lopes longer than the other and i know that um lionel has bad running form and I, I didn't expect it to be that bad but then he and I was like well you know he did just bike um 112 miles almost all out so yeah okay I could see that this is his, this is his uh this is his running form at the moment and uh he <laughs> The, the announcers said, oh, no. <laughs> oh, it looks like Lionel Sanders is injured. <laughs> I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to run. And no, he wasn't injured. That's just his running form. So number two is that 
Lionel Sanders running form is so bad coming off the bike in this race. You've got to see it that the commentators actually thought he was injured. And uh, no, no, no hate or judgment towards Lionel Sanders. I'd give anything to be able to run as fast as him, no matter what the run form looks like. But it's just funny. And Lionel's always working on improving stuff. Okay, number three. When Patrick Lange is doing this absolutely gorgeous running down uh, the uh, Queen K and just throughout the entire run, that they got him on camera uh, eating up the mileage. It was about like halfway through the run where they started announcing that, um, you know, Ferdino is, is walking, um, Lionel Sanders is cruising, and, you know, this person's doing this, and this person's doing that. But the person to watch now, it's kind of kind of like, oh, my God, is this Patrick Lange guy who is, if he continues running at his pace, he should actually beat Lionel Sanders to the finish line. They were doing predictions. And so the camera started focusing in on this guy, Patrick Lange, in his Earl Steiner uh, blue outfit. And he... Um... <laughs> it's just crazy. The camera's, you know, on him pretty close. I guess they have a cyclist or something like that, right, uh, going next to him, or a motorcycle, somebody on a motorcycle. And... Patrick is just reaching into his inside of the front of his jersey and just grabbing food like like it's a buffet going on inside of inside of his kit and he's it, the really funny thing is at one point he grabs a banana and pull he's like reaching around in his crotch and then pulls out a banana um, and then like a sponge and then something else and you know then a gel and then this and then that and it's just like he was like a Swiss army knife of of uh, nutrition <laughs> and it just random thing water bottle comes out of his of his midsection it was absolutely crazy and he had the the thing that you don't know is he had special pockets stitched inside of his race kit so that while he's running he could grab things when he goes through aid stations put them in the front of his race kit and then he would be able to access those. They would fall into those pockets and stay in there because he said last year he was doing that and he didn't have pockets and stuff was falling down and sliding down into his crotch. And then so it was hard to run. So there's actually specially made pockets that his sponsors put in his kit um, on the inside so that he can uh, do this. And let's see, that was, uh, I call it his large, the large Lange banana pocket. Okay, number that was number three. Number four is, this is one that's going to make coaches upset. Sanders, Lionel Sanders, went really hard trying to catch uh, Cameron Wirth. And Cameron Wirth, uh, on the bike, this is on the bike, by the way. Uh, Cameron Wirth is, you know, he's a great triathlete and all that, but he's actually a former professional cyclist. So this Wurf guy is, you're just a monster on the bike. And what people, you might know this, uh, a lot of people can't seem to, to um, comprehend, is when somebody comes from a specialty background, like if they're a former Olympian swimmer, or they're a former professional cyclist, or they're a former marathon Olympian uh, runner, or college, you know, uh, distance runner, division one, or something like that. They're really good at that one thing, but at the detriment of the other thing. So if somebody's that great 
on the bike, that means their run is going to be is usually going to be really uh, subpar. So Sanders um, took off, uh, either riding with or trying to catch uh, Cameron Wurf, W-U-R-F. And I think they came in to, they finished the bike ride together. And Lionel Sanders put out like 350 watts or something like that, which if you don't know watts, that is a ton of power because they've got his power fall. And, and uh, the first uh, like two hours of the race. And then uh, he averaged like 310 or 320 watts, which is nuts. He averaged my max. <laughs> my FTP is like... 300, 310 or something like that. He went like higher than my max uh, for uh, the entire, my max for an hour. He did for like four hours. It's absolutely crazy. And then, you know, ran a marathon at like somewhere in a six, six minute mile range. But they, what what the, the analyst saying is he, he was burning all this energy and beating up his body, trying to keep up with this pro cyclist guy. And then when the pro cyclist got off the bike and he ran an okay marathon, like a 320 or 330. But anyway, um, Lionel Sanders beat this guy, Cameron Wirth, overall, beat him by 25 minutes. So there was no reason to... Uh, go that hard or that fast to keep up with this uh, this ex-professional cyclist. And in comparison, if you compare the bike times, Lange, the guy who ended up winning the race, biked 14 minutes slower than Lionel and Wirth. So the overall winner biked slower. And then he was able to run faster. So Lionel Sanders lost the race by about two minutes. And if, let's say, he had biked... Um, let's say that he had biked about three minutes slower. Then he probably could have run about six minutes faster overall. And... You take the six minus the three minutes slower, six minutes faster minus three minutes slower. Then you're left with a positive net of three minutes. He would have been three minutes faster overall. Three minutes faster overall would have put him a minute ahead of um, of Patrick Lange. So, yeah, he uh, number four is Sanders uh, overbiked and he. Um, if he biked a little bit slower, he might have won it. But he was trying to keep up with a professional cyclist, which uh, is a mistake that a lot of us made. I come from a swimming background, and for years I would try to do really well on the swim. And then I would um, do really poorly. By the time the run came around, I was blown out. And so I started, you know, matching, not trying as hard on the swim. And then, then I'd have a better bike, and then I'd have a much better run, right? You want to be even across the board. Okay, so number five, uh, second place female. Her name is Lucy Charles. She comes from a swimming background. Did you know 
that she is only 24 years old, which is absolutely crazy. That means next year when she's 25 and she has a real strong chance at winning it because the um, Daniela Reeve can only be at the top for so long before she either gets burned out or just wants to do something else. Uh, Lucy Charles was right behind her and only 24 years old is just astounding that somebody that young has, and I think it was like her second or third Ironman ever or something. Anyway, that's number five about how young she is. Uh, number six, Patrick Lange again, um, could, and I'm going to say could not should, but could have been disqualified for showing his sternum for having his, his jersey unzipped past the middle of his chest. So he's doing all this reaching in and out of his jersey to grab uh, water and fuel and all this other stuff. That's technically grounds for a time penalty and and or a, um, a disqualification. And it's on video, and he did it a lot, like the entire run, I think. And um, I'm not judging, you know, I would I would have too... <laughs> But it is technically against the rules, and um, it's just a thing. Uh, there's a it's just a thing that's interesting to know that uh, sometimes people enforce the rules and sometimes they don't. And the uh, it, it's frustrating to some athletes. I know, like Jesse Thomas and stuff, like duct taped the front of his jersey together so he couldn't get penalized for it at a different race. And so the efforts that some people go to to keep their jersey together in front, and Patrick Lange is just running with his jersey unzipped further, full full bore, full on camera, and no one did anything because uh, he's potentially going to win. And it's just, it's bizarre. And it goes right in there with the one where Lance Armstrong won a race or something. It was either Galveston, 70.3 or something like that, with his helmet unbuckled. And... People were like, well, he should be disqualified. He had his helmet unbuckled. And the officials were like, nah, we're all right with it. <laughs> so it all depends on, it's a, it, that's a very personal issue. And it really just goes to show you, you know, how you feel about the rules of everything and how you feel about Patrick. Okay, number, that was number six. Number seven is Jesse Thomas, who is uh, Picky Bar's fame, uh, wears aviators uh, a lot, fame. And uh, I really like this guy a lot. I think he's super cool. Um, he rode, a, his bike had gold deep dish wheels on it. And it looks horrendous. And you've got to go see it. If you go to tririg.com. I'm going to roll down my window here. It's uh, getting really hot in the mobile studios. I record in my car a lot because uh, the sound quality is like, it's like a recording booth. It's so good. But now it's getting too hot in here. Um, Jesse... Uh, if you, if you go to Tririg, T-R-I-R-I-G, Tririg.com, you can see photo montages, all kinds of, of them. And, uh, the one is of the pros. And if you search for Jesse Thomas and Jesse is J-E-S-S-E, not I-E, just S-E. Um, you can find his bike. He's on a diamond, which is one of those cool, uh, flying V looking bikes and he uh, his wheels are the most unusual like gaudy looking things I've ever seen <laughs> and you know maybe maybe it's the light maybe it's just the way it appeared you know on camera it doesn't look that way in person I would totally ride them but it's very unusual 
and um, he didn't get a lot of camera time, so it's something you had to go check out. And let's see. Lange said, number eight, Lange said that in an interview after the race, they were asking if he was going to um, uh, do something with his, he's wearing that crown of leaves and stuff like that. What he was going to do with his crown of leaves and uh, that he wore on his head, they put on your head when you finished first place. And it's really quite, you know, this elaborate, fancy looking thing. He said he's going to throw the crown back in the ocean. And this is because of the spirit of the Hawaiian Islands, the spirit of Pele, is that if you take something from the island, then you're cursed. You take like a rock or anything like that, um, that you'll have bad luck until you return that thing. And so he was just going to um, up in that and run an end run around that and just uh, when he's uh, when he's done wearing the crown that day or the next day or something like that, he was going to throw it back in the ocean because it's just it's just leaves and stuff like that anyway. Isn't that crazy? And let's see, that's number eight. Number nine was um, there's video footage of Jan Ferdino on the bike. Uh, you know, going full speed in arrow position, but going through the aid stations, grabbing water bottles while in arrow position. And that is really crazy and just shows his confidence as he's riding along. And they say, you know, like one water bottle, miss it, two water bottle, miss it, three water bottle, miss it. He's trying to get a water bottle, but he's going so fast that uh, he's just reaching out his hand while getting out of arrow while staying in air position, reaching out a hand until he, until he nails one and then grabs it. That is absolutely crazy. Um, I've learned, personally, on a personal note, I've learned to stand and pedal while in the arrow position, which you can totally do it. Um, and it's to get that extra bit of power to accelerate or climb a short hill. But with, um, say you're riding into a headwind and you know that standing up on the bike uh, is going to be very counterproductive. You can actually stand and pedal in the arrow position. I don't know about grabbing a water bottle, so that's that's pretty nuts. Okay, we're getting close to the end. That was number nine. Number ten was this show. This this race was actually shown on Red Bull TV. There's a channel that you can subscribe to or just show, I guess, um, called Red Bull TV. And I've watched some of it. It's really good. It's got big wave surfing and stuff like that. Um, Red Bull uh, decided to show at the same time. What do they call that? Not co-show. But anyway, they decided to show live the Iron Man on their channel. And that is huge for the sport of triathlon. That got the Iron Man out into the uh, extreme sports place where it belongs. And it got a whole lot more video coverage and it got at that image of that this is nuts. Uh, and that's what Ironman needs because that's what triathlon needs because we've got this problem in the sport where it's pretty much just um, middle aged people going out and exercising at kind of a slow pace, you know, is the way that you can begin to look at the sport. But then when you see these people, these pro level people going all out so fast. And they're wearing a Red Bull helmet. And there's helicopters flying all over the place, and people running each other down, pulling bananas out of their out of their out of their uh, pockets while running six minute miles. <laughs> uh, Red Bull does a really good job of bringing that. It puts a halo on on the image of the whole thing, 
where uh, it's just a whole lot, makes it look a whole lot cooler. And they made the coverage better. They made it look more professional. Just all, everything about it was really great. Okay, that was number 10. Number 11, we have some interesting facts about um, Patrick Lange, uh, Lange. And a lot of people don't know that he actually comes from a mountain biking background. When he was a kid, he was the under-15 uh, German mountain biking champion. I guess the, the whole country of Germany. He was the mountain biking champion in 1999. So this kid had bike skills, big-time bike skills. And he transferred over to a triathlon. It looks like in 2002... He was also the winner of the uh, 120 kilometer uh, mountain bike marathon in Zirenberg or Zirenberg. So this guy has been doing triathlon at a uh, or at least mountain biking and other stuff at a really really high level since he was a kid. Okay, and number twelve, which also gives us a shout out uh, to our buddy uh, triathlon Taryn is Triathlon Terran put together a video of um, of the day at Kona during the race. Just, you know, a review and, you know, basically what if you wanted to learn about the 2017 Kona Triathlon World Championships, then this is one of those videos, right? And it is so good, <laughs> so well put together, that even amongst the trolls on YouTube, most of the comments, if not all, on on his uh, on Reddit and on his channel about this video were like, "Oh my God, this is so much better than any other video that I've seen about Iron Man." It's like one of the best videos out there. So number twelve is there is a non-Iron Manded brand video about. Ironman World Championships in Hawaii that is a must-see because it is so good. And lucky for us, it's our buddy, Triathlon Terrence. And I loved it. It was really, really great. So check that out. And don't forget that uh, Triathlon Terran is also uh, a podcast now with his wife and a really good podcast. Um, it's totally different than the, uh, the videos, like the YouTube videos. Uh, most of his YouTube videos are kind of like, like kind of jump cut and funny and hop over here and check this out and hop over there. You know, it's made just perfectly for us ADD uh, generation types. And then, um, you know, short, quick videos. But the um, the podcast is like the slow burn and you really go deep into uh, long topics, just like this show. And so I really, really like it. And I want you to go check it out. And that's our buddy Triathlon Taryn. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a break and then we're going to get into the margins. Here we go. Pokedotty! King of the Mountain! Let's go, King Woo! of the Mountain! Come King on, let's go! He doesn't know what it is. He doesn't know what that means. <laughs> okay. All right, real quick, let's cover our Velosurance Bike Insurance Bike of the Week. Here we go. Our bike of the week is Patrick Lange. 
His Canyon Speed Max, Canyon's triathlon bike. This is a beautiful, beautiful bike. It's an iridescent blue. It's absolutely beautiful. You got to go check it out. Go to tririg.com and look at the uh, photo series, like I was saying earlier, of the uh, the pros bikes and check this thing out. It is just such a beautiful work of art. And the uh, Speedmax, the Canyon Speedmax, was the bike I was trying to get that I was trying to hold out for, and then finally caved in and got the Trek. Uh, because the Trek is an excellent bike, but the Speedmax is, uh, in my opinion, the front end of it is even better. It's more integrated, yet more simple. It's really weird. And the uh, problem is that your uh, bike needs to be sold in your country. <laughs> and the, the Canyon has a little bit of a problem where they cannot get their bikes for sale in the United States. And uh, they had like some shipment problems and everything. So I, I held out for, when I was in the market to buy a new bike, I held out for six months and then the news just got worse and worse. And they are really missing out on a huge market because for, I'm trying to think, three years now in a row, the winner of Kona has ridden a Canyon Speedmax. It is just a killer bike. And another thing that you should notice, this is uh, number 13 on our 12 uh, secrets you didn't know about Kona. None of the top pros rode a, an unusually framed bike. No beam bikes, no weird um, geometries, no tubes missing and things like that. They rode regular double diamond, that's what they call these things, double diamond uh, tri-bikes. So all this extra uh, engineering and money that you're putting into uh, a bike with a bizarre frame, unusual frame, you got to ask yourself, is it, is it really helping? You know, because the top guys and girls aren't riding them and they are uh, winning on these things. So anyway, let's see, what is the coolest thing? Okay, the coolest thing about the Canyon Speedmax is all of them, not just Patrick's, but the handlebars, the bullhorns, have grip built into them, rubberized grip, so your hands aren't going to slip, you don't have to worry about your grip tape coming off, you don't ever have to worry about it. It's built right into the grips. It is so cool that they've done that. And then uh, hydration is built into the front, and it's very uh, slim and goes in line with the front. So when you look at this bike from the front end, it is just, wow, it is so cool. And it doesn't have disc brakes. So you, if you get one of these, uh, you don't have to invest in a whole nother set of wheels. I was reading something about, people are asking on Slow Twitch who had a uh, diamond back. And this guy said he did, he loved it. The only downside is uh, because it's got disc brakes, you had to buy all these different wheels. Uh, that have discs on them to be compatible with that bike. So if you don't want to upgrade the disc brakes and you want to ride the uh, World Champions bikes, then the uh, Canyon Speedmax is your own. Let's see, is your, uh, is your ride to go with. Uh, downside, um, there's no integrated storage 
off the back of the seat post, which seems to be a really smart place to put that stuff. So like the Trek has, I think they call it the speed box. A lot of companies have these aftermarket boxes that could go on the back. Well, not aftermarket, they're stock. And uh, it's unfortunate because that would uh, make this bike absolutely killer. And I wonder if you could um, zip tie something like that to your bike, get that thing put on there. Um, you could get another company's and mount it. I would, because it is great. Uh, my BMC, I had a BMC TMO2, which is a very similar looking to the, uh, the Canyon. And very, very fast bike, by the way. And it didn't have that storage stuff so what I did was behind my seat I put um, you know twin bottle cages and then one of my bottles I bought the extra tall um, fake water bottle that you can unscrew the lid and I forgot who makes it maybe several companies make them now and in that I put all kinds of tire change kit so it was up behind my butt let's see what else about the canyon um I don't know if they sell all of them. Uh, you know, like, not all of them, but if you can get the one you want in blue as well. Oh, I know the big thing about Canyon. This is what I was digging around for. Canyon is unusual in that it's a direct-to-consumer brand. So you can't go to your local bike shop and buy a Canyon. I mean, maybe you could, but you're not supposed to be able to. You have to order it from Canyon. And I think this is part of their problem breaking into the U.S. market. There's uh, some kind of regulations and stuff that maybe uh, bike shops and bike companies are fighting against them. But you order a Canyon, and then it shows up at your door. And then you have to assemble it, or you can take it to the bike shop and they assemble it. And, yeah, I don't know. Um, That's both good and bad, you know. Your bike shop is a hub of what's going on in cycling. It gets everybody going in cycling from little kids on up. And you uh, you start cutting them out of the loop and they start disappearing. So bike shops need to be smarter with this going on. But also, um, uh, you know, what do you... I mean, it's the bike you want. It's the best bike out there. Uh, you should be able to buy it, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of a, that gray area where... Uh, not knowing the right answer kind of just shows who you are and what your priorities are when the path isn't all that clear. But you can still go check out the bike that he rode. He rode uh, Swiss Side Wheels, which is a uh, good, very good uh, wheel company. And I think he rode an 808 on the front, an 800. Uh, that's a deep dish front wheel. So that's a lot of uh, needing bike control. And maybe that's his mountain biking background that uh, allowed him to do that. And European riders do lots of riding in, in crazy conditions, and uh, they they don't have as aggressive drivers, I think, in the continental Europe to uh, run them off the road. So they get more practice <laughs> out there in uh, the the wild conditions. They're celebrated as heroes, uh, professional cyclists in their culture. And uh, yeah, so that's it. All right, so go check that out on TriRig.com, <clears throat> and also check out VeloSurance Bike Insurance. They are the company that you want to go to if you have high dollar bikes. You spend more on your bike probably than you did your first car and you're definitely putting more hours 
in it on it and a lot of insurance that uh, you would think covers your bike does not cover your bike and it's especially I was about to say specially it especially doesn't cover your bike when you're traveling when you're shipping it when you're flying with it you can get uh, versions of VeloSurance that uh, you can cover your bike when you're out of the country. What happens if somebody steals your bike? You go park it somewhere and then they go and somebody steals it. You come out of Freebirds World Burrito and your bike's missing. You throw your burrito against the wall and you go, Stella, damn it! And your bike's gone. So you don't want that. Contact VeloSurance. VeloSurance.com but their email address is Dave. Tell Dave Brett sent you. <laughs> Dave's not here. Tell Dave that Brett sent you. Brett from Zentry. Dave at VeloSurance.com. He wants to talk to you. I'm pointing at the mic right now. You. You. About helping you insure your bike so you don't have to worry about it being uh, stolen or crashed and then wrecked. And then you don't have a bike uh, for months and months and months while you're trying to save up for a new one. The out-of-pocket to replace a bike is just crazy. All right, that is our bike of the week. And let's go ahead and get started with some margins. Here we go. All right, let's cover our Zen topic of the week. And this one is the beauty of margins. So margins is where you create a little bit of space. You don't even have to create it. You just have to allow it to happen. And what's going on is in America, Western culture, we're so focused on productivity and getting more and more and more done. And it's really out of balance. And actually there was an article very recently about lagom. L-A-G-O-M, and it's about balance. It's a Swedish concept of balance. And if you Google that, it's a, um, it's a really good read. And it is something I've never heard of before. And it's all about um, trying to find the middle path. And it's just fascinating that it's such a Zen thing. Zen uh, Buddhism is, and that's what Zen is an offshoot of. It's a type of Buddhism. is all about the middle path about avoiding extremes and um, well that's what balance is and that's what this uh, Swedish culture concept of lagom I think I'm saying it right or lagom is uh, is all about <clears throat> and one way to help achieve that is to remember about the utility and the benefit of these margins so at the beginning of the show I mentioned something about Imagine somebody writing a book and the page was filled edge to edge, each page, with the, um, the text. Top to bottom, edge to edge, no margins. And it would be annoying and it would be frustrating and it actually it would create anxiety. If the, the, every letter went right up to the edge, it would make you fear that something was bleeding over and you'd constantly be turning over the page that it go over. <laughs> you'd have nothing to hold on to on the sides. And um, a little bit of margin is actually a, uh, a really nice, a nice thing. And if you've, uh, if you've jammed your day full of tasks down to the minute, 
then you've created a whole bunch of anxiety because you've created opportunities for failure. You have no buffer. And you're bound to have just endless little failures here and there, and that creates anxiety and stress. And stress, your body can't tell the difference in stress between a lion chasing after you and words going all the way up to the page, edge of the page, or being late for um, a dentist appointment because you didn't leave work early to create enough margin and now there's a traffic jam and ah, now I'm ripping out my hair. I hate where I live and what am I doing with my life? I just want to go run. So I've got some tips for you along with uh, a little bit more explanation, but a coworker of mine told me something that she was doing that I thought was so cool because I create space every day. Uh, whenever I can, just a few minutes where I sit down and I just kind of visualize what I'm supposed to be doing next. Before I started recording this, I visualized what I'm supposed to be doing next. I'll create a little list, you know, and I'll put down the, the items, very relaxed. I use DynaList, D-Y-N-A, DynaList.io. And it's a super easy um, list creator. And just putting things down forces you to actually think things out a little bit. I'll just sit down and... Um, one of my daily tasks is to plan out the day. And that's uh, creating a little bit of buffer space there to stop and pause and think about what you're doing. And this coworker of mine said that she said something about that she'd been waiting out in the parking lot. She was she's new, was new at the time and didn't have a key to the building. And I said, Oh, I'm sorry, you know, we need to get on that especially fast. And she said, Oh, it's not that bad. Um, I just set out my car and, uh, wait anyway, uh, a lot of times. And I said, really, instead of coming in and she goes, Oh, I do that a lot for lots of places. She likes, this is what it was so cool. She likes to get to places she's supposed to be early. And then with that extra amount of time, she just sits in her car. I'm scratching my, my chin right here. Cause I'm just thinking this is so brilliant. She sits in her car and just thinks. So she's created a few minutes of buffer or more, maybe 10 minutes. And then she sits in there and thinks about what she's going to be doing next. And man, you know, so you're creating um, shower thoughts. You know, where you're sitting in the shower, you're like, oh, I should do this. Oh, I should do that. Well, the reason you're doing that in the shower is because you've got nothing else to do except for wash your hair. So you're just sitting there and other thoughts come to your mind. So imagine getting places a little bit early. And then just sitting there and, and waiting for ideas to come to your mind. And then you can write them down because you've got the time, which is huge. So a lot of what we're talking about today, talking about today is margins as time so that you have clarity and, and, uh, and you're relaxed. And the whole thing where you visualize how the next big thing, the rest of your day is going to go, or that next big important thing, you visualize yourself doing it. And then you're like, okay, so I put on this, I'll visualize my run, you know, I'm like, da -da 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 -da. okay, and I'm going to go, oh, crap, I haven't uh, filled up my water bottles yet for my run. Huh, okay. And then I visualize myself going, oh, da -da -da. oh, you know what, I don't know if I've charged my watch. Now, if I scheduled everything right up to the minute, then those two things I never would have thought of because I'm too busy because I haven't cut the other things a little bit short so that I've got some margin. And I've 
I had been doing the thing where I try to get to swimming early so I have a few minutes to sit in the car and I visualize my swim and, you know, how my swim is going to go and what is my purpose for the swim so that I have a good swim. And her saying that she does this all the time, I was like, wow, that's, that authorizes me that I'm on the right track, you know, to do this for my swim. So I try to get to my swims early and then I sit in the car for a few minutes with the lights off and just sit in there and just kind of think about how my swim's going to go. And that's creating a little bit of space, a little bit of margin. So this book came out very recently. I think it's called Margins, uh, which is, <laughs> you know, doesn't get A++ for being super creative. But if you go to Amazon, which I'll do right here, I had it open. And, sorry, hiccup. And you look at the book description. It's called Margin. Restoring emotional, physical, financial, and time reserves to overloaded lives, right? And so I get, you can get the idea. It just gives examples of um, why margins are good, why, you know, what happens when we're missing them, why you want to look for them. But what I found interesting is when I started panning down the page, the book is only uh, $12.71 for a paperback. Um, oh, there's a... Um, there's an audio book. Cool. So I need to I need to get that one. I've got Audible, an Audible account. But uh, if you look at the associated titles, if you get this book, here's some other recommended titles that you might be interested in. A Minute of Margin, uh, another one called Contentment. This is where I'm going to start going with this uh, conversation here. Uh, Overload Syndrome. <laughs> Learning to Live Within Your Limits. Uh, humilitas, which I'm not... I mean, I get the idea, but I don't know what that book's exactly about. Uh, 10-Minute Mindfulness, 23 Anti-Procrastination Habits, Declutter Your Mind, The Power of Positive Energy, Sacred Rhythms. That's interesting because margins would be the down cycle of uh, a rhythm. And then wrecked, and this book looks like just shattered. And from all that, you can get an idea of what's going on. People just are feeling overloaded they're doing too much and uh there's no thinking space i've done the thing where i've scheduled my entire day down to the minute and you know what we miss we miss that that time of um of thinking of you've got no creativity time and it makes you very unhappy it makes you feel like a robot um so Kai and I, just a while ago, we decided to sit down and try to build a stand for my iPad out of Legos. And see, there's your there's some creativity time. But I couldn't do that. That doesn't go on, on, a, um, on a calendar, you know, on a scheduler. And how long that's going to take or, or um, you know, what pieces to use and all that, that's creative. And you wouldn't think of that uh, without actually giving yourself some time to allow for it. So along with that, um, there's some things I've noticed since I started paying attention to margins and what happens when you give yourself more margins. It's really interesting. Uh, the first thing I noticed is it gives you time. If you, if you try to do less, the art of doing less, right? 
there's a podcast called the Slow Home Podcast where they talk all about doing less and then the joy in life you get by doing a little bit less. Jo- Jomo, the joy of missing out. And I've noticed that if I'm not in such a rush that I actually have time to do things right. That's really interesting, right? So it allows you to put the bow on things, but it's the bow on things in life that makes life enjoyable, you know? So I'm not in a rush to get out of the house. Well, guess what? I can clean up the kitchen counter a little bit more. I can put things in the trash. You know, I can swing by the the, uh, the recycling bin on the way out of the house and throw that extra recycling stuff out. And that makes you feel good, you know? I can put my... Um, my shirt that I got out but then never wore, I can hang it back up. And uh, my socks that are out on the floor that I never wore or that are dirty, let's say that example, I, I've got the time to put them in the uh, dirty clothes instead of being in a rush to get out the door. But to do so, I had to create a little bit of extra time and enjoy the margins. And it's weird, like doing those little extra things is kind of like playtime, kind of like building with the, with the Legos. Because it's not scripted, it's spontaneous, and you're doing it your way. Um, you know, you're putting your touch on things. That's exactly like playing with a toy, you know, your way, the way that you want. And it's very uh, fulfilling. And we're going to get to the word very enlightening here in a minute. And the other thing I noticed was <laughs> that not only does it allow you to um, fix things, but there's some things that will really pay off and make you feel good and make you feel more relaxed. And with a little bit of margin, um, I've noticed that in traffic, because I'm not in such a rush to get places, um, if somebody's fighting with me over to get in a lane, I don't care. They can have it because I'm not in a rush trying to get there. And I actually feel good. And I, I it's bad to say this, but I feel like sorry for the other person. I'm like, man, dude, it sucks to be you. <laughs> but I'm just bebopping down. Dude, you want to get all angry because um, I'm in the in the lane that you want to be in, and I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, but you're all angry, and I'm not. I'm actually chill because I'm right where I need to be, and I'm happy, and I'm content. So your your frustration doesn't wear off on me because I'm not on the edge. So. I can stop that frustration where it's at. And my note here says that uh, one thing I noticed was I'm able to actually put on my uh, blinker way ahead of time and easily change lanes because I've got the time. And when somebody is uh, trying not to let me in, I don't care because I'll either just get in anyway or I'll wait till the next car. It doesn't matter. And then... And that's a really weird feeling that it makes you feel like your flow in the zone, uh, kind of like a runner's high, um, to have that extra space. You feel all relaxed and everything's relative. You feel more relaxed than those around you. So it gives you this feeling of bliss. It's really weird. And um, the other thing I noticed is because you've got that little bit of extra time, it gives you the time to actually talk to people about stuff. So our gym was just sold to a bigger company and um, they're remodeling this and that and the other. And, and it's, you know, they're, they're changing out this locker room and they're removing this track and they're putting in this and they're moving all these, this weight equipment 
equipment equipment around and um there's a billboard up in the front office now um showing all the designs the floor plans and all this stuff and normally normal brett if i was in a rush i would look at it i don't have time to look at that you know and get down to my swim but because i've got an extra minute or two here and there i I stop and I go, oh, huh, so what's going on here, right? Because I'm not in a rush because now I can ask people what's going on. And the uh, girl behind the counter is like, oh, yeah, so and, and uh, we're going to do this, that, and the other. And I said, oh, well, what about this over here? And, uh, and she goes, oh, well, here. And she came around the counter and started talking to me. And this is a girl that I see like every morning that I go swim. And I hand her my car key. She hands me a key to the locker. That's the way, that's the system they use. And after you check in with a little beeper thing. And um, I don't know her, even though I see her all the time. We've never had a real conversation. And now we're actually having a real conversation. And because now she knows who I am, she has a vested interest in me. And now because I've taken time to look at, I've got the time to take the time to look at what's going on with the gym floor plan. I'm like more, way more in the know. And I said, oh, okay, so what about this? And she goes, oh, are you interested and in, in, you need to know about that? And I go, yeah, can you, can you let me know? And then, um, you know, a week later, because we've actually had a real conversation now, because we had the time, then uh, she told me about whatever it was. And uh I just noticed that, wow, when you have, when you make the time, you actually now have the time to talk to people and the benefit, the payoff from those very short conversations, just, just being a little bit longer, you find out things are coming. Don't do this. Expect that, you know, oh, this little tip here. Um, hey, uh, I'll keep on top of this for you. Oh, are you interested in this, right? You're, everything is just so much better because you've actually uh, made the time to talk to somebody because you've got the time. And then another thing is the extra time. And it kind of has to do with the blinker thing and the changing lanes, but it has to do with so much more than that. Holding doors open for people, um, uh, giving somebody else uh, your leftovers or something like that, you're so you feel so much lighter and effortless um, that you are a- able to be way more generous with material goods and your time, and that feels good. The they say the only thing that feels better than getting a present is giving a present, and that's so true, right? Well, now you've got the time to help others and give to others. And then that lifts up your mood and your bliss all day long um, as well. And the, the crazy thing is, I'm, you see, I'm saying, I'm saying the word lift and bliss and you feel lighter and easier. Well, those are all part of the root word of enlightenment. There's two versions of enlightenment that people uh, will will uh, try to get, get to. And one is the light switch. And that means you can be in a dark room and enlightenment is where you suddenly realize stuff. 
So you're in darkness. You don't know how the this one situation works, or this your place in life, or you know this whatever anything that's going on. And you know how this race is organized. What is the point of all this? What's the point of my job? You know, you know, just something doesn't make sense. It's like being in a dark room, and then a moment of enlightenment is where you suddenly get it, and you go, "Oh, <laughs> follow the money," you know, for like this one thing, or like, "Oh." My boss is a total jerk and he gets off on, on this. You know, now everything makes sense, right? So when everything suddenly makes sense, that's like s flipping on a light switch and the, um, the, the things being lightened, lit up is the enlightenment and then now you have clarity, right? Well, that's one version of it. Another version is also when you let go of things, things weigh you down and you let go of things, you constantly feel lighter and lighter and lighter. And this, this margins, oh, it's, not, it's not a theory, it's definitely a real thing. This margins effort, this margins concept, method, margins method. Um, like I said, it makes you feel really relaxed and floaty. And like you have uh, less cares in the, in the world, and things don't bother you much at all. And when people are like, oh, he's so zen or she's so zen. That's what they're talking about is that things don't bother you. And you're like, okay, well, that's just the way things are. Because you've got the time to deal with them and things don't stress you out. And I honestly think that um, that, that along with the light switch uh, concept, the two of those together is the uh, lightness and enlightenment. And I already talked about the Swedish uh, land lagom uh, lifestyle. And that's part of your way to get to margins. And uh, the definition of lagom is a Swedish word meaning just the right amount. The uh, Lexan Swedish English Dictionary defines lagom as enough, sufficient, adequate, just right. Lagom or lagom, is also widely translated as in moderation. God, that's so zen. <laughs> in balance. Perfect, simple. Oh my gosh, perfect dash simple. And suitable in matter of amounts. All right, so that's our little talk on margins. Uh, check out the uh, the book. It's an audio book. If you want to listen to it while you go out on a bike ride or a jog or something like that. And start practicing it. Do a, a little bit of balance. The tough part is to get time back, you have to give things up. But you'll realize as you give things up, the you didn't need them in the first place, and the reward you get is so nice. So nice. It feels so good. Okay, let's get into um, show donations and wrap up the uh, ads for the show so we can get into the training log and get this show pumped out there. Now, we didn't do donations last time around uh, because I wanted to get that Maca show out before Kona. And I hope I don't double name anybody. I'm looking, I don't think so. Okay, so you can support Zen and Yard of Triathlon by going to zentriathlon.com and there's a donations link on the left-hand side and then also a... Um, some links on the right-hand side for Hornet Juice. And Hornet Juice is a uh, 
as an amino acid power. I'll get to that in a second. But let's uh, read off donation names. You can do a one-time donation or a recurring donation. Uh, either is awesome. I get your email address, so you can always ask me questions. And also, I uh, read your name out on the show as a supporter. And these shows take so much work to put out. So it's uh, greatly appreciated to uh, help out with the cost. So we have a donation from Houston Marsh, which I met in Canada. What's up, dude? And Rick Foster, Michael Radagna, Derek Reddle. He's a, he's a new one. I hope I said your last name right. Brett, the coolest first name in triathlon, Hoyer. Simon Wright, Justice Phillips, William Smith, Carson Marston, and Jonathan Woodman. Martin Vanden Inden, Hun Chu, John Mulan, David Williams, who I don't think is my one of my best friends from high school. Uh, Fav- that guy was crazy. <laughs> uh, Favia Katie Joe. Katie Joe Favia, Favia, uh, Peter Salzen, what's up, dude? Um, Tanya Roy, Matt Heinz, Matthew, Michael uh, Wilkinson, Allison Frutos, and Matthew Froese. Oh man, I was riding Zwift today, and they've got a new um, section open. God, it takes like 20, 30 minutes to ride. It's this jungle section after a huge climb to get up in there. And um, somebody gave me a thumbs up. And they said they love the podcast. And I didn't catch the name because I'm also watching at the same time on uh, YouTube. What was I watching? Something to make the time go by. Oh, my gosh. The video of this guy doing the Moab 240. The 240-mile, it's actually 238, uh, trail run. It's like the longest trail run yet. And they 90 people finished out of like 100-something starters. So it's really good results. And a woman won the whole thing by 10 hours. <laughs> and she's so famous for doing this. She's been on the Joe Rogan podcast. And we're going to see a huge explosion in ultra running if Joe Rogan uh, keeps promoting this this sport. Uh, Born to Run caused a huge, huge explosion. And now we're going to see uh, these guys uh, all try to be badass. Then they're going to realize it takes some... Um, getting a little bit skinnier and, um, you know, years of running to get up to that point, and then they'll probably just not ever do it. <laughs> it takes a long time to be good at ultra running. Okay, then let's see. Let's mention um, some other sponsors. I swear we got a whole lot of training log coming up with some fun stuff, so stick, stick with me. Uh, salt stick. So I did back-to-back workouts today. And packed uh, to back workouts yesterday and today. I did three hours yesterday, three hours today. Both of them were a two-hour bike ride followed by a one-hour brick run right off the uh, the the uh, bike. I made the mistake today of letting Emily, not telling Emily that to leave my run stuff alone. So I got off the bike and all my run stuff's put away. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it! <laughs> That's a recurring theme in this show. Is uh, a lot of my only. I've nailed down triathlon training so well, and my only thing left that is still something else outside of my control, that's somebody else or my environment's doing that I haven't mastered yet, is uh, Emily putting away my gear as, and then like I have to get it all out again. She put away my fuel, she put away everything, so I had to 
you know, I'm supposed to get off the bike and go run. Now I've got to make fuel. I got to get out my running belt, my uh, running shoes, uh, my visor, my running shorts, <laughs> just on and on. I'm like, ah, and it's all put away, you know. Anyway, one thing that was easy to get to because I have it right in the pantry is salt stick uh, caps. And I love these things. They are exactly the right amount for uh, one hour. One cap is like perfect for a one hour workout for me. Um, and they also have all these other electrolytes in them. They sampled people of what they're actually sweating out. And so these have exactly what you sweat out in them. So I'm talking about the magnesium, the potassium, all that other stuff. And, um, so it's, it's the exact same mineral profile of what you, of what you sweat out. And this stuff is so perfect that, uh, and it's so easy. You can either take it in a tire pill or you can break open a pill and uh, break it into your fuel ahead of time. That's what I like to do. I make a bottle per hour of my fuel. And um, I nailed it, nailed it. And I was so excited because uh, getting my run back on track, which is really working out really well. Um, I'm running almost as fast as I used to run. And I'm doing back-to-back days, uh, three hours at a pop, which is good for half Ironman. And... Um, Running the exact same, almost the exact same speed. I biked a little bit faster on day two, ran a tiny bit a little slower. But salt stick is part of the formula. And um, if you finish a workout and you're craving all kinds of salty foods and stuff, you're not taking in enough sodium. You know, you're craving chips and french fries and uh, like greasy, salty meat, like hamburgers and stuff. Um, that's a symptom that you're not getting enough sodium in. So you can get more sodium, more electrolytes in a very easy, very smart package uh, by contacting SaltStick and you know, contacting you go to their website. Go to saltstick.com slash Zentry and it'll ask you a password because that's his top secret site. And in there, the password is Zentry. And then you get 25% off your order. That's so cool. So get all your salt stick stuff there. I love their chewable. Um, they have like citrus flavored chewable stuff, which is so good. Sometimes I eat them like candy. I'm a bad guy. I'm a, I was about to say I'm a bad boy. I'm not a boy. I'm a grown ass man. And I can eat as much salt as I want. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I love the chewables. And again, 25% off. If you live outside the United States, um, the code won't work, and uh, I'm sorry about that. But you can still find a salt stick carrying store in 30 countries via saltstick.com. Okay, so remember, Zentry is saltstick.com slash Zentry. And then you can uh, get stuff 25% off if you live with inside the United States. Otherwise, use that same website, saltstick.com, to uh, find a store and get yours from there. Okay, Amrita Bars. Uh, Amrita is super duper awesome uh, fuel. It, they're uh, date bars and they are seed based instead of nut based. So they're perfect if you have a nut allergy. And they have like spices and stuff in them that help soothe your stomach, cardamom. And uh, they're soft. And that way you don't get a mouthful of powder that chokes you to death. Like if you eat like a harder granola bar. They don't get hard like some bars do when they get cold. Um, they actually reduce inflammation because they are anti-allergen. Uh, and 
Yeah, just they're super easy to eat while on the go. You can eat like a bite of the bar, like a quarter of the bar, and just keep on chugging. They're perfect if you want some um, solid food while on the bike. Perfect, perfect, perfect. A lot of times I'll eat one before a bike ride. And let's see, who else do we got? I don't want to miss out on anybody. We got uh, You Can, which I just ordered two more um, packages of containers. I get the bigger containers. And with discount code Zentry, if you go to You Can's website, you can get 15% off. So I ordered two. So uh, if I order two off of You Can's website, then I use, uh, then you get free shipping if you spend over $100. Then you also get 15% off if you use the discount code Zentry. Now you got all the the You Can that you want. (laughs) And um, You Can is a slow burning starch where you eat it ahead of a workout and then it gives you more energy through your workout. So that's perfect for swimming where you don't want to stop and, and eat. And I think that's it. Hornet juice. Um, that's on the right-hand side of Zentrathlon. And holy crap, that stuff works. It's an amino acid powder. You hear about all these people using uh, low fat and then something to help burn fat, a protein powder mix. Hornet juice is that. It's uh, based on the same protein that the Japanese killer hornet uses to fly super long distances. And I get so many orders from that. Uh, People love it. And it really does work. Uh, Your body, you digest the powder mixed in with your fuel. And your body goes, oh, it is time to burn fat. And then you feel like a diesel engine. It's absolutely crazy. And it just takes your workouts, especially your long workouts, to the next level. You just seem to never get tired. There's no caffeine in it or anything. It's all, it's kind of like protein powder signaling. You eat this stuff and it just tells your body, we're going to be going for a long time. Turn on the fat burning. And uh, you, you literally feel like you got like 30% more power is what it feels like. It's absolutely crazy. And one packet lasts, uh, they recommend an hour and a half, not half an hour. This stuff is like an hour and a half per packet. Okay, so that's Hornet Juice. You can get a 10-pack or a 20-pack off of uh, Zentrathon.com on the right-hand side. And... Let me scroll through here, make sure we're not missing anybody. And yeah, that's it. Okay, I've already recorded the end of the show that's going to be at the end of the training log. So I thought I'd go ahead and mention now what next episode's going to be. Uh, probably I'm going to record about Einstein's version of time. And it's actually not time as you think about it. It's a series of events and how you can actually make time. It's absolutely fascinating and very, very useful for triathlon. And then also somebody emailed me a question, Lars, about how to get faster at a half Ironman. And that is exactly what I've been doing right now. As my feet are recovering, um, training for a full Ironman is a little bit too much right now. There is nothing wrong with training for half Ironmans. Half Ironmans are legit as shit. And that is uh, no joke. Um, They get a bad rap because they're only half the distance of a full Ironman. Well, dude, it is an endurance event big time. So I'm pretending like I'm training for a half Ironman to get my speed up. And once once you're really fast, then you just slow down just the tiniest bit. And then you can do a full Ironman. And that's what they say you should do anyway. You should train for halves and get really good at halves first before you try to um, go to full Ironmans because you want that speed, lots and lots of speed. So we're going to talk about how to get faster at a half Ironman. What what to do, what most people should do, and what I'm doing personally um, to get my speed up 
for a uh, half Ironman. Um, there's specific type of workout, specific things to do, specific volume of training um, and rest and stuff like that. So we'll talk about that next episode. Okay, let's go ahead and get into the training log. We've got uh, talk with uh, Kai and Emily about uh, the the Atlas Triathlon that they were in just tons more stuff all right let's go you are entering the centrite training log zone Funelli. hi everybody my name is brett i'm a trap i decided it's time i got some friends more suited to my status but joe we've been friends for years hey we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! All right, I'm here with the beautiful and amazing and wreck-proof Emily Rhodes. What's going on? <laughs> we can only hope I'm wreck-proof today. So we're at the Atlas Tri. You can hear the fountains. I posted on Instagram pictures of the fountains that change colors. It's dark. You were the first one on the rack. Everybody go check Zentrathlon on Instagram. See what's up. Emily's debating about whether or not... No, I know what I want to do. I'm just being told... I've got a mosquito or two. On whether or not to uh, wear gloves on the bike. It's a sprint triathlon, and I'm like, of course, I'm like, no. But then you're like, well, to you, you need to... Uh, We're arguing over wearing bike. I'm interviewing her. We should interview Tracy. How's it going? It's good. How are you? Oh, wow. Now you're famous. You're on the Zentri podcast. Woohoo! So are you ready? Awesome. Should should Emily wear her gloves? Yes, she should, because I'm wearing mine. Uh, right? <laughs> and the last time you told me not to, I wrecked on my bike. Oh, so me telling you bike. not to made you wreck your bike? Is. What? I don't know. I just, oh. you know okay, you need to do what's... To what's con- are you going to wear socks, Tracy? I am wearing socks. She's going to wear socks. Too. Look at y'all. The reason Honey? I'm wearing Honey? socks is because the last time I didn't, I rubbed blisters on both my feet and couldn't wear shoes for two weeks. So, do you train with socks on? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Let's, just, let's just say one thing. We're not you. Okay? <laughs> that's, that's the bottom Let's ask, line. oh, we have a real professional here. We have Kai Blankner in his USA kit. Oh my God. So, Kai. Kai, do you have, uh, are you wearing socks? No. No? What about bike gloves? Oh, we have, um, are you wearing bike gloves? No. Why not? Because it slows you down. We all so, what you're saying. I have Riley and Colby here ready to be on the podcast. Maybe. No? No interviews with other little pros? What? Future pros? Maybe. You don't, you don't have a prediction on how you're going to do? Hey, wait, come here and tell me about the drag racing y'all saw last night. Oh, that was him. Oh. the Beach Boys. Really? Oh, yeah, it opened. Oh, wow. The Beach Boys? The original Beach Boys were on South. Oh, wow. John Stamos? No. Okay. Hey, Colby, can you come tell me about the race cars? I can't do it. The drag racing? The the Dodge Hellcats? <laughs> He's like, no. He's like, I'm out. Hi, can you box jump this? Don't. No. Hey, no, Kai. No. No stunts. Before a race. Okay, so I'm going to let y'all go. This this is getting to be non-interviewable. Okay, out. Oh, hell. Why not? 
just made that I'm rice okay. ready. Yeah, okay. that's how you know. All right, I am at a street corner at the Atlas Triathlon. It's foggy. It's a point where it's a really good observation point for the race. It's two laps on the bike, and it's a street corner where not only do they go past it twice, but there's a an out and back, like a dog leg, that goes out by here too. So she'll actually go by here four times. Uh, two times, maybe hear some pedals go by. And uh, each, each two times is really close to each other. And uh, she's doing really good. She's got friends that are in the course, or in the race, and then She's got uh, uh, Kai doing the race, and uh, the kids' race is after the adult race. Good job, straight ahead. And it's actually, uh, I'm sitting at one of those intersections where you really wish there was a volunteer telling you whether to go straight, whether to go straight or to turn. <laughs> and I'm not doing that on purpose, I just happen to be here. And there was a delay due to the fog, uh, about an hour, and it just never got any better. They just decided to just go anyway. It's not, it's not that bad. It's kind of medium. Uh, right at the swim start, somebody we were joking. One of the, uh, it was like a group start. Oh, is that Emily? Here's Emily. Go, Emily! Go, go, go! Go! You're looking good. Okay. I managed to hit the wrong button. <laughs> we need to get Emily's helmet adjusted. Oh, it's kind of lopsided on her head, so we need to get her a better helmet. But she's smiling. She was really smiling a lot. So that's good. I'm gonna move over to this other corner where I can get a much better video of her. Go, Aaron! That's Emily's boss. <laughs> so the uh, cool thing about these small town triathlons is um, all your friends and family are here. You make it into a big family event. Uh, we know the owners of the, of the hotel, the sponsor hotel and the triathlon um, company, I guess you would call it. And I mean, we met them. We're, we're not the best friends with them. We just kind of met them and started knowing them. And we told them to put the uh, kids race to make a kids race along with the adult race because we've been going to some of those. No, but you still got to do that. You still got to do that. And then you come back and then finish. All the way, all the way, all the way. This isn't this isn't the turnoff yet. No, it's not. No, keep going. Yeah. Hey, both laps, no matter what, they go that way. Yeah. We almost had some accidental course cutters, like we were talking about with the uh, with the uh, race layout. Okay, they're messing me up. I need to be taking 
I need to be taking video of Emily when she comes through. Anyway, uh, let's see what else happened. Cheering for Emily. The whole thing with, um, yeah, uh, family and friends and turning the race into a big family event is way more fun than uh, the police officer just dropped his flashlight by accident. Uh, and then making it a big family thing. Normally this morning I'd be out on a training ride or biking or running something. And uh, Kai said, uh, sorry you're not able to go work out this morning. This lady's got her helmet on backwards. Oh my. Oh, I guess you're gonna get that at a sprint try. And uh, she, uh, and I said, no dude, this is fun, man. I'm having, yeah, sure, I'd like to be out uh, training or whatever, but this is fun, too. I really like it. Let's see if we can get out. Oh, moving back towards uh, trying to get back into clipless pedals again. I bought a pair of uh, road cycling shoes on sale. Specialized body geometry version. They're silver. They're the ones with the ratchet on the side, not the boa twist style, but just a ratchet on the side. And um, trying them out, they don't fit perfectly well. I have a real high tendon in the front of my foot that connects to my shin bone, and it bothers me to have shoes. I have to have them super open at the top, and these won't because the ratchet's only so long. But otherwise, I was really impressed. Oh, the trick was, I always talk about one thing at a time, one little thing at a time. And I've been riding with flat pedals to help my feet recover from plantar fasciitis, because then you can get the pedal under your arch, and that helps you um, helps your arches heal, instead of way out in front and leveraging your arch, which tears them up. So one pedal yesterday. <laughs> uh, one pedal flat on the right foot, and then one pedal clipless on the left foot. And I'm indoors, so I don't really care what it looks like. Even if I was riding outdoors, I wouldn't care. And um, along with that, my power numbers looking really good. After warming up, after about 10, 15 minutes in, uh, the rest of the hour, my average was like 260 watts, 261 or something like that, which is really high for, and then a heart rate of, um, like in the, like around 130, let's say, 128, 130, maybe 131. And riding around on Zwift, and one of the ladies I coach, uh, I got her going on Zwift, and the selling point is, uh, in Zwift, there's 5, 10, 20. Oh, go, baby, go, go! You got it. Now on to the run. Uh, Emily just went by again. I'm gonna swing by the car and grab a banana <laughs> on the way to the run course. The uh, she got on Zwift and then uh, I was standing next to her, Tracy, and she started paddling. And then a guy went by her. Right, she's new to Zwift, so the first time. And she said, "Hey, who is that? That mother trucker's passing me." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, this thing will work." <laughs> It's a really good training environment. In fact, it's so good you have to be careful or you'll overtrain yourself. 
and get too sore. So you can't, you can't, uh, your bike will, you'll stop uh, improving on the bike, maybe even plateau or unimprove on the bike. And you'll be too sore to uh, run and run well if you um, get all caught up in Zwift. So you kind of have to be careful with Zwift and dose yourself with it until you get over the competitiveness, until it doesn't bother you anymore that somebody's passing you, which can take a little while. It took me a few weeks, probably. And then this morning, she was telling me her son got on Zwift, got an account and was riding. And he's like, there's a volcano in there. <laughs> and anyway, with Tracy, I was telling her, like where we live, the longest real hill we have is maybe two, three minutes of a hill, like a real hill. And, and especially the faster you get, the more competitive you get, the shorter that hill gets, right? Because you get more powerful. And I'm looking for my car now. Where is my car? And in Zwift, hills are what make you faster. And in Zwift, it's... Um, three, five, 10 minute hills. There's my car. Uh, 20 minute hill, 30, 45 minute hills. There's mountains in there that you have to climb. And uh, I'll never forget Angela Nath talking about how she got good at cycling. Uh, she was already good, but she got better. Climbing, out Mount, climbing up Mount Lemon outside of, I guess it's Vegas. They have this mountain. And uh, yeah, you, you spend 20, 30 minutes climbing a hill, and then you turn around and come back down, and the, uh, you're getting that nice recovery in, so your legs are filling back up with blood and nutrition and stuff's building back up after a good taxing workout, and that is how you got That's how you get fast, man, and we don't have that outdoors where we live, and so I was telling her, because I'm trying to convince her, and she's already convinced, to get... Um, you know, on the trainer to improve her uh, her cycling because she's doing a half Ironman. And she's like, this is insane. <laughs> this is so good. All right, I'm at my car. Got some Amrita bars, but I'm going to grab a banana and uh, go check out the run. All right, cool. See you all in a bit. Out, bang. All right, we are in the Zentribe Mobile Studios. <laughs> you can tell by the um, the pause there. I'm actually a little bit tired and trying to catch my breath a little bit. I went through uh, my morning swim after a big weekend of training, and then I realized my weekend wasn't all that big of training uh, because we had triathlon stuff all weekend with other people. And I'm going around a corner and stuff's rolling around in the back of my car. But I was out in the heat and got a little bit dehydrated. And then actually got quite a bit dehydrated. And what happened is, let's see, Kai and Emily's race on Saturday morning. And that was warm. And even though I was support crew, oh, and they had free beer, so I had a couple of beers. But kind of like a beer and a half probably and Emily got fourth and Kai got first maybe people are asking for an interview with Kai 
<laughs> I had Kai sit down and look at uh, coaching clients swim videos with me and showed him how to pick out what's wrong which he's he naturally picked it out instantly he goes oh he's doing this and he's doing that and I go okay cool now the real thing is how do you tell somebody in a positive way that gets results without angering them <laughs> and I said okay this is what I'm doing on this one there's probably a thousand ways to do it but I said um, this is what you're doing right this is what looks good and I said your arm swing looks awesome and all that stuff Okay, here's what needs some work, is, is that. Uh, <clears throat> you know, the angle of entry and, and things like that, and head coming up. And then that way, it's instructive. It's not, you know, a personal attack. And because uh, that's the way people feel. If you, even when people ask for criticism, that's they feel like their guard's down. So you got to be um, uh, gentle and non-confrontational and, and list it out. That way they can work on it. And you always show, like, what to what to feel for, what to do. And then, um, then you're just not saying, you're not doing this right. And you should, you should do it like this. You tell them how to do it like this. And uh, feel for this. Look for that. And then you'll get there. Anyway, it looks like a World War II fighter plane flying... Yeah, it is. Can't tell what it is, though. It's not a P-51. It's something else. Anyway, the uh, next thing was working out in the woods, cleaning up the campsite uh, for about three hours, maybe. And that was hot and humid and just kind of yard work. Not terribly hard yard work. The cool thing about um, any kind of work is work becomes easier and almost fun and can be fun if you have the right tools. So we were uh, working with... um, At first I was working with uh, machete and loppers and that wasn't too terrible. Um, Oh man. I got somebody trying to cut in front of me. Make you work for it, buddy, if you're going to be rude. <laughs> anyway, then uh, somebody showed up with a gas-powered weed eater. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be fun. And I've never used a gas-powered weed eater before. I always used electric ones. Uh, so I had to learn. I got an opportunity to learn something cool. Now, I did grow up doing gas-powered lawnmowers. So we were trying to start it, trying to start it. And it wouldn't start up right. But I'm like, just give it some time. Uh, do the pump some gas into it with a little thumb pump thing, and then uh, and then somebody mentioned, oh yeah, uh, did you try the choke? And they're oh, I was like, oh yeah, there's choke settings, and that was uh, really nice, like getting that thing fired up, and then the vibration from it when I was done, I used it for an hour or so, uh, made my fingers tingle, numb, weird, like it was really weird. And I was like, I'm suspecting, expecting this to go away. (laughs) And, uh, but anyway, then after that, got home and had dinner. Kind of lazed around a little bit. Oh, watched the end of Iron Man uh, Hawaii, which was just freaking crazy. Like the best 
racing in a long time. It was really, really, really good for the guys. Um, and then I needed to go outside for a run before it got too late, so I didn't catch the girls' ending. Uh, but that was... Um, I don't know how close the girls' ending was because I didn't I didn't watch it because I couldn't watch it because I needed to go out for a run. And, and uh, that was all going on at the same time. And... That was uh, just really cool. And then, uh, but running, it was still hot Saturday night. So I got up Sunday morning and decided, I looked at the weather forecast and it said it's going to be cooler and overcast, like 70 something. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, since it's going to be cooler, I could bike on the trainer two hours and then run an hour and I can run outside. Uh, because usually I've been flipping that because I want to run earlier while it's still cooler. But if we uh, and then do a bri- do a reverse break. But if it's going to be cooler, then I can do my run outside after my bike ride, as is proper in triathlon. And so I did two hours on the bike inside, and with some bike position changes I've been doing and getting more opening up my hips and, and finding a better, more relaxed position and the uh, higher cadence work I've been doing, um, I'm just getting a huge payoff. I averaged 251, 252, 255 or something like that, watts for two hours in zone two. I was like, dang, man, and felt good. And I'd already uh, put together my run stuff it's a pro tip. If you're going to do a brick workout, get your bike and run stuff put together. <laughs> so you get off the bike. I got off the bike, kind of looked at my workout for a minute, put on my running gear, checked in with the family, made sure everybody's cool. And then uh, headed out for my run. And when I started running, I felt pretty good. Actually, I felt, well, I felt a little stiff, but then I felt pretty good. And then all of a sudden it started <clears throat> the wheels started coming off and I'm like hmm and then my stomach started hurting and I was fueling like normal but it was still the weather the weather forecaster lied <laughs> it was going to get cooler but cooler in the evening this was still morning and it was freaking hot and there was a uh, slow breeze but the problem is is a slow breeze if you're having to run with it is like the energy lab in uh, Energy Lab Road in Kona, where if you have, um, if you're running about the same speed as your tailwind, that means you effectively have no wind. And if it's warm or hot, then it's like you're running in a sauna in place, <laughs> like on a treadmill in a sauna, uh, because your sweat's not going anywhere. And it was super humid, and so at times, for a few, several minutes at a time very frequently I was running like that and it was just I mean it was killing me absolutely killing me and I needed more water so about halfway through my run my hour run I um, stopped at a water fountain this little (laughs) this little kid came up and just stared at me as I'm uh, adding more water to my water bottles as I'm running I had to uh, triple the amount of water I was taking in and then I felt better but I was still it was still just so hot. I was watching my heart rate. My heart rate was unusually high, which means my blood's thick from being dehydrated. So I was all done. 
And uh, when I got back to the house, it was cool knowing the tricks, you know, what's actually going on, the science behind it all. That, um, and that, that's why my stomach was hurting a little bit because there wasn't enough water to uh, dilute the fuel. So it was painful in my gut. And then once I drank a bunch more water, everything was a lot better. And then, uh, and then, oh, I got on the scale and uh, I had lost six pounds in two days. And I I was like, holy crap, that is not good. I'm back up about four pounds this morning, but that has an effect on you for a couple of days. And I think that's why I am slow and trying to catch my breath. So uh, when I swam this morning, get to the whole point of the story. When I swam this morning, I was doing okay, but then just kind of felt off, right? And then, uh, so about halfway through my swim, I switched tactics. Instead of working on pace and cleaning up my stroke, I decided to do short intervals, like 50 yards, hard, and that stimulates muscle growth, gets you stronger. And then 50 yards, no, 25 yards breaststroke. A breaststroke is a really good stroke to practice if for triathlon because that's, let's say it's a deep water start, you have to do breaststroke. Let's say you're popping your head up to look around, you've just been hit by somebody trying to swim over you, you gotta do breaststroke. You gotta reaccelerate from a stop, you gotta come to a stop and then reaccelerate. That's breaststroke. And that frog kick, if you don't do it in training, and all of a sudden you do it in a race, you do it hard, um, it'll end up pull, pulling your groin, and not in a fun way. Uh, the, after the race, you'll be sore in your crotch. So, breaststroke in uh, practice every once in a while is smart. And the 50 yards isn't enough to wear you out. 50 yards hard isn't enough to really wear you out. Um, and it stimulates improvement, strength improvement, and then you go right back to doing uh, freestyle and then catching your breath. Well, you do 50 yards hard and then 25 yards breaststroke to kind of catch your breath and then go back to uh, swimming, just regular old freestyle, working on your stroke technique, trying to clean it up, trying to do, um, you know, how many strokes does it take to get to the other side, trying to improve that, fewer strokes at the same speed. And the whole thing ends up uh, working out pretty nice. You do that like once every five, six, seven minutes. Like do it on repeats of that. And then the swim practice goes by really, really fast. Oh, we had a nice, nice little zen moment this morning. Um, the gym is under new ownership and they shut down the weight room to remodel it. And I was at the front desk checking in the swim. The swimming pool is not affected yet, although it will be. And people showing up to um, go lift weights. The girl at the front desk said, uh, it's been quite a tasking morning of uh, explaining to people the weight room's not done yet. And that just goes to show how the mind, you know, we expect things. And then when we get thrown off of our routine and there's change, we get upset. And the more well-adjusted you are, and the more you know that change happens, uh, the more 
the the less things bother you throughout the day and you can it's not it can bother you but then as soon as it as soon as you can you drop it bothering you you go okay well i'm just going to go on and do something else because if you spend the rest of your day angry about the um the weight room should have been open or they should have told you better that it was uh, closed or should. They say, don't go around shoulding all over the place because then the rest of your day, the rest of your week, the rest of your month, the rest of your year, the rest of your life, you're hung up on something when you could be uh, let it go and then improve yourself elsewhere. And well-adjusted people just, if it's something they can't change, they just let it go and then keep working. Just keep on swimming. All right. That's it. Out, bang. All right. Hey, hey. We are in the Zentri Mobile Studios. I've got something really cool to tell you about. The fastest way <laughs> to improve on the bike. Majorly improve on the bike. And how to do it. What's going on? So I was listening to a podcast by Velo News who, by the way, the owner of that, just bought back Triathlete Magazine away from WTC, which is good. We don't want the biggest race company owning also the the media. You don't want the president owning the media. You want them to be, you want freedom of the press. Anyway, that's a separate story. The cool thing was... Uh, Velo News podcast is titled Mythbusters and why we can't talk about lactic acid. This is huge. So you got to go listen to this thing. Uh, it gets a little sciencey, but it's not terrible. The, the, they try to not uh, make it unlistenable. And basically, there is no such thing as lactic acid buildup. What is happening when your legs burn is uh, you are creating acid and it's hydrogen ions and it's just because of the fast rate of metabolism that's going on mostly uh, glycogen I think and when glycogen releases I think it's pyrate pyrate anyway and lactate not lactic acid but lactate uh, during the, during really hard uh, sessions, it builds up, and that stuff carries lactate carries with it uh, a hydrogen ion, and that hydrogen ion, uh, anything uh, supposedly with a hydrogen ion, is an acid, and your body can't. You're producing it faster than your body can clear it. This is also really important. We're going to get to in a minute. And the um, so the sensation is of an acidic burn, but it's not lactic acid. It's acid in the form of hydrogen ions that also happens to be created around the same time that you're creating lactate. And people have conflated it over the years and that's actually what's going on. Isn't that cool? And lactate, here's part two of I don't know how many yet, but lactate is a fuel. It's a super fuel. It's what your body is producing 
under stress to really power your muscles and to superpower your muscles. And there's a there's an old audio quote where gosh, it's 10, 15 years ago where I'm yelling, lactic acid is fuel. They just found out. Feel the burn <laughs> at the wildflower triathlon. Anyway, that's where that comes from because this has been out for a while. It's just still, they said it has momentum, this uh, lactic acid mis- misnomenclature. So anyway, they said uh, lactic acid exists in your body uh, in such a tiny amount, it's almost unmeasurable. And don't, don't confuse the two. There's acid and there's lactate, but there's not lactic acid. Okay, now, to get better at cycling, you want to train the production of lactate because it's a super fuel. Uh, and the more you do something, the better you get at it, right? Like uh, playing the piano or uh, riding left-handed, riding with your opposite hand, throwing a ball with your opposite hand. The more you do it, the better you get at it. And on top of that, uh, because now it's this great fuel that your body has, but also you need to practice getting rid of it. Uh, And not exactly rid of it, but reuptaking your body seeing it as fuel. Your body's making it, but that's great. Now you got to practice your body uh, taking it back up and using it as fuel. Now... When you're going really, really, really hard and you blow up at very short, hard intervals, that trains you to go short and hard, but you're not really, you're overproducing lactate, right? And that's why it burns, because lactate comes with the extra hydrogen acid. But you're not really training your body to reuptake it and use it. You're just producing it so fast and you're going to fatigue anyway. So even if you could use it, you're exhausting your muscles anyway. Your muscles are just blown out. So it's not getting the opportunity. They're timing. Your muscles are wearing out before it's really getting the opportunity to use it anyway. Then, if you go too easy, um, you're never really producing it. They say you're producing it all the time. And you do need to do uh, lots of slow and easy to practice your body um, picking it up. And that's why people who have lots and lots of time to uh, train, like a pro, uh, can practice. Uh, that's what they're, they don't know this. <laughs> it's, well, you're doing lot, you're doing many things. You're practicing your ox, oxygenation, you're practicing mitochondria, maybe, and fat metabolism and all that. But on top of that, you're practicing um, this reuptake of lactate. But what really, really, really works for an age grouper athlete who is uh, time crunched, the most effective thing is sweet spot training. And I have been playing around with this for years and now that I know the science of actually what's happening, sweet spot, uh, now, now it makes way more sense. S- sweet spot is like 90% of, 90 to 95% they said, of where your um, 
overburdening your your uh, your muscle with too much lactate, and that means you're just barely able. You're just barely clearing it faster than you're making it. And so my threshold, I haven't measured it in a year, but it was 300, so that's a nice, easy number, right? So 90% of 300 would be uh, 270. And if I'm riding, if I'm riding at 300, I am burning up. Right, I'll start to burn up 300 watts. If I'm riding at 270, I can ride a little while, quite a while, um, probably 30 minutes or so, maybe, uh, without feeling any kind of burden. I mean, it, it's without feeling any kind of major burn, right? Which would be that acid, regular acid hydrogen acid coming along with the uh, lactate. Okay, but what my body is doing, what your body is doing, when you ride at this, what is called sweet spot, is you're practicing both things at the same time. You're time traveling. You're doubling yourself. Oh, you're, you're multitasking. <laughs> they say multitasking is no good. Oh, it's the best. I hate that multitasking is no good. You just need to multitask smartly-ish, whatever that is. But anyway, you are producing lactate, which is awesome. You are training your body to produce lactate. Wow, good for you. That is something fantastic. And uh, that'll make your body learn how to make more of it, make it better, all that good stuff. And you're practicing clearing it and clearing lots of it. Almost the maximum amount that you can clear. Or the maximum amount you can clear continuously the whole time that you're doing a sweet spot interval. And when I'm riding Zwift, what I've noticed is it's got three-minute hill, five-minute hill. It's got a couple one-minute hills. It's got... Um, 10 minute hill, 30 minute hill. It's got a 30 something minute hill that you could ride up as long as you want and then turn around and ride back down. That's what's so cool about it. That lately I have been riding, this is just by happenstance, just by coincidence. I happen to have been riding it at a sweet spot around 270. And um, when I'm doing the hills. And I've noticed my watts, my average watts when I'm riding just average, have been climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing over the past uh, month. I've been getting stronger and stronger and riding at a higher wattage. And I almost thought there might be something wrong with my bike. Uh, what do you call it? My bike trainer. That maybe it's miscalibrated or something like that. But I'm like, no, everything seems... Um, everything seems okay. So is it possible I'm getting uh, stronger? And, oh, there was something else. They said that um, there's an issue with age groupers. Uh, they had this, the, the expert guy, the scientist guy, who mostly studies pros. 
uh, had was working with an age grouper, sent the age grouper to get tested at a lab, and the age the lab results came back, and the uh, the lactate level in the guy's leg. He had him ride for whatever reason. He didn't ask him to do this, but the lab technician had the cyclist, the age grouper, ride at pretty high watts um, for an hour. And the the amount of lactate in the guy's blood, every time they pricked his blood, was off the charts of any number that the super scientist guy had ever seen studying um, pros. And he called up the technician and said, uh, something's wrong. Are you, uh, are you, um, you sure you didn't do the test right? He's like, no, actually I did the test right. And actually we see this all the time. And what's going on is age groupers ride too hard and they are, they don't ride enough base and they've got no practice, no investment in clearing the lactate out. So they're just building up and building up lactate and it's high, but they're, they're not ever, uh, training themselves to actually use the lactate. So what you have to do is, uh, ride at sweet spot and that way you're practicing making the lactate, but your body's also practicing reuptaking it. This guy's riding too hard. And a lot of us are riding too hard. So you ride sweet spot. And my current mindset is you um this is this is why intervals work so great. Is you can go hard and then you then you ride easy. And then that easy allows you to um, reuptake and clear that stuff out. So now you're training the system to do all that. So they said that going really hard and producing a lot of lactate and then um, really easy isn't as effective, I guess, because time-wise. It's actually you're, you're creating more volume of lactate and uh, also reuptaking at the same time if you do sweet spot uh, intervals. So that is really, really fascinating. So I want you all to go check out the Velo News, V-E-L-O, Velo News podcast and listen to this one. It's the Mythbusters, uh, Why We Can't Talk About Lactic Acid episode. Um, It totally uh, enlightened me on actually what's going on. I've heard bits and pieces of this, so I kind of knew sort of what was going on and that it's really not lactic. I've heard that before. It's not really not lactic acid. It's other stuff, but I did not get a lesson on this. So now when I go, um, oh, my running has been improving uh, a lot because I've got gentle rolling hills. So I'm probably, when I'm running up these hills, I'm probably doing about sweet spot, you know, probably 90% of my max. 
And that's building up lactic acid, but also I'm uh, uh, reabsorbing it. And then especially, you know, jogging on the downhill, you're definitely reabsorbing it. Um, but not the other thing is like, you kind of wonder why other things won't work as well. It's not just lactic acid that you're dealing with. And we're not just talking about single sports and triathlon, single sport. Um, let's say you go really, really hard. Well, you're also tearing muscle fibers, which has nothing to do with the lactic acid thing. But you're damaging your muscle fibers. Your muscle fibers need to um, regenerate. And that creates soreness. And so for your next workout, you're too sore to actually have a good workout, which I've definitely experienced. I'll do really hard intervals, and then my form and uh, my tiredness is just really bad because my body's too damaged to uh, be uh, rebuilding itself. So you got a, a sweet spot seems to be the sweet spot. And that's why they call it that, of... Uh, what to do, you're tearing up your muscles just a little bit, you're training the uh, reuptake of, you're making and reuptaking lactic, lactate, I almost said lactic acid, and, um, and then it's important to do some of that and then, but mix that in with a big base of just regular, um, uh, zone two easy uh, to train your aerobic system and your uh, fat burning and uh, creating mitochondria and vascularity to get all the blood and oxygen and all the other stuff the lactate and the glucose and fat lipids all to the all to the muscles isn't that cool very very cool stuff all right I got a pack for a camping trip I'm in my driveway out bang All right, I'm in a, uh, a big pasture in the dark. It's like five in the morning, nowhere, Texas. It's probably 5.30. Stars overhead. I don't know if y'all can hear the crickets and the tree frogs. There's a bunch of coyotes, which Oh, they're all yelping and howling and stuff a minute ago. That's why I turned on the mic. I was like, oh, man, I should record this. But, of course, now they're gone. There's been some interviews with a coyote expert that I've heard recently that's... Oh, there's something creeping in the bushes over there. That uh, coyotes are actually... Uh, they are wolves. And they're just a, a subspecies of wolf super smart <clears throat> and the more you try to get rid of them they've reached that evolutionary point where they're smart enough they can actually they reproduce back more the more you try to get rid of them the more they come back if you don't try to get rid of them there's there'll just be some a few anyway let me turn off this light so we're camping and I realized, well, I wanted to get up this morning and go run. And uh, I did. I wanted to do seven miles. So I'm soaked in sweat right now, too. I wanted to do seven miles. So I ran uh, 
I got off kind of a slow start. It's kind of a camp Jeep trail. Uh, so I did uh, 3.6 miles out, and that way I was able to stop. I turned around and came back, and then I was able to stop a little bit far from a campsite so I could walk in. But I ended up here where some of the vehicles are parked. It's really beautiful out here right now. Anyway, when I was uh, running, I was like, oh my God, what the hell was that? Did y'all hear that screech? Kind of like a wild horse, but worse. Oh, I saw a skunk and a snake. Um, and the reason I'm in the clearing is because it's super humid, and if I am in the uh, woods, then it'll just be so hot. And I'm looking for, uh, if I can get a breeze at all, I'll be able to find it out here in this clearing, which uh, is what I'm doing. Anyway, I'm leaned up against a Z71 Chevy extended cab, <laughs> which I wish I had. Anyway, um, oh, morning. How you doing? Well, that was weird. When I've got my glasses off, I can't see anything, but then I saw like somebody walk by that uh just when you think you're alone, <laughs> humans are everywhere, and just to prove the point, just look at trash when you think you're a million miles away from everybody, you look down on the ground, there's a freaking coke can anyway um the uh getting up and running in the morning in a place I've never been and then I'm running down a state uh, farm to market highway it's two lanes there's a car every 20 minutes or so there's no shoulder I'm running and then I go down some other road called Jackrabbit Lane and it's a real country road and then this road here at this campsite's all gravel and and uh, there's nobody else out here there's no running nothing and the um, the interesting thing is the adventure of it is the whole reason I got into Zentri and posting the shows was to get in the training. You have to to um, you have to be a little bit extreme, or else there's just uh, you got to train where you are, or make the best of what you're doing, where you are. And um, getting that done is actually uh, can be really difficult. And so you end up running, biking, swimming in crazy hours of the, of the day. Uh, so that ends up being an adventure. And then in crazy places, in crazy hours of the day. And the end result is, uh, there goes that guy again. He went the other way. He's dressed in all white. That's the only reason I could see him, is because it's pitch black out here. It's just starlight. Watching people say, oh, that's a ghost you saw. He's out in the parking lot every once in a while. 
he died and a tree fell out in the woods and killed him. People have been seeing that ghost since 1953. Anyway, um, but the adventure, you know, of what you're doing, and then in a weird way, what it does, the cool side effect is it makes you uh, feel special, right? And then for the rest of the day, um, you've done something that, and maybe for the next, you know, a few days, because it lingers, you've done something that uh, nobody else has done. Out of just, you know, your close group of people that you work and see, work with and see, you know, every day. You got up and ran seven miles on a state highway early in the morning. <laughs> An FM highway. Farm to market is what they call it out here in Texas. It's just a two lane. It's nice. Nice road, but it's two lane. No shoulder. No street lights. No curb. Nothing. It's just country road. And, uh, and then that carries you through the rest of the day that um, you've done something you know, different and exotic, and it gives you energy. And um, I started noticing that when I started doing triathlon because I needed to, um, I didn't have a trainer yet, you know, so I was biking with bike lights on, on quiet roads in the dark, or getting stuck at night, or having to change a flat tire out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, how to survive, you know, in a crazy environment. And then you see so much stuff. I think I'm starting to see maybe a little bit of a sunrise. It's really pretty. Oh, the fog is finally lifting off my glasses. I can finally see. They were covered in fog. Oh, uh, fueling-wise, I got up. had nothing, but uh, you can. I'm trying to be real quiet. We're in tents. Nothing is... You think in your tent you're quiet? No. (laughs) I could tell because I was trying to be all quiet. And then I hear in the tent next to me, the guy, um, just roll over, you know, and oh my God, it was so loud. So, somebody just turned on some headlights way over there. But, uh, running on nothing, except for you can, uh, was pretty, uh, interesting. That's the most, um, no fuel morning workout I've done in a long time. And... Uh, definitely slower, but you're relying totally on um, body fat and uh, you're uptaking and store glycogen. But it's been overnight, so there's not much left. So Anyway, I'm going to get off the mic because people are starting to get up. And that's it. Out, bang. All right, we are back. I think this, <laughs> have I said this before? This will wrap up the show. Oh, man. I've uh, got a couple little good tips for you to finish it out with. Uh, one, I was running this morning, and I've gotten in the habit of clicking on Strava, uh, compare this run to other similar runs that I've done, and... I posted the picture of this graph on Instagram. No, just Twitter. I'm Zen Triathlon on Twitter. Of the um, the however many times I've run this particular route because uh, it shows 
even though the individual runs are up, down, up, down, up, down, as far as uh, speed. Hold on, coffee break. Um, the general graph, the average of everything is uh, trending upwards in speed. Down in minutes per mile, up in speed. And that's really, really cool to show uh, that you're not insane. <laughs> but the, um, the whole point is the upside of running what you can do when you run the same route over and over again uh, while one you know aspect of it is that it may be repetitive and boring the other one is that you get to see if you're actually getting smarter and better now my times aren't all that amazing because um, you're doing uh, I went from a, a high 10 minute mile average maybe maybe 11 minute mile average down to a mid to low nine average. I think today I ran a 9.15 or something like that, average. I mean, that includes the first mile of warm up, you know, just like a 10 minute mile and stuff. So I was hitting eights at some point, but <laughs> it also shows my fastest one. If I correlate it to a specific date was uh, the night of uh, Ironman Kona. I was so inspired by uh, Lange. Lange's run that I uh, went out and ran faster than normal. And then right after that, really slow because I banged myself up. But um, yeah, the cool thing is is uh, you can measure, you can repeat that measurement. And uh, because it's consistent, you can try different things and then go, oh, that made me faster. Oh, that made me slower. So you can try different technique, different fuel, uh, different amounts of rest, different scheduling, and then uh, improve. Little incremental improvements on what already exists is called Kaizen. It's really cool. And the other thing that is helpful is this isn't just a... Um, my run course isn't just you know flat ground or downhill or uh, one hill at the beginning and then whatever. One reason it's working for me right now is that it has, I was trying to think uh, how many hills. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven hills, something like that. And that's seven miles, maybe eight hills. They're little, they're little hills, but um, what works with sweet spot training is um, to push yourself a little bit and then back off. And that trains your body to, um, like we were talking about, the lactic. Not the lactic acid, but lactate. To use your lactate and then recover from it. Generate lactate, use it, recover from it. Right? So this run course that I'm doing repeats of, I'm doing, I've designed this run course, if you could say that. Uh, on purpose um, because it's got just constant rollers in it and the first one I go kind of gentle but then after that you know I kind of push it a little bit and it's just enough right just enough so that when I'm done I feel great it's worked me a little bit 
And then a day later or two days later, whenever I run again, I go run it. Those little rollers, the uphills that I've had to uh, push against uh, have improved me and made me faster. Um, Oh, on top of that, I did a little bit of uh, keto uh, work over the past few days. Man, that is a fine line of (laughs) getting crazy. So uh, I did really low carb and kept on working out until I was just completed on carbs. And I could feel myself um, roll over into, you get so hungry and so hungry, then all of a sudden you're not hungry anymore. That's uh, that's going into ketosis. Your body's switched over almost into starvation mode. And it's like, we got to burn body fat. And then <laughs> once you get there, uh, trying to work out easy, right? And it kind of shocks your metabolism into uh, not being so sugar dependent. Because man, does it work. You, uh, you realize you just don't need that much sugar after doing this. Now, it's a long-term plan. It may not be all that smart. So after about three days, I was like, okay, I'm done with this. And went back. But I would call it some version of intermittent fasting. I'm not an expert on uh, teaching people how to do this stuff. I'm kind of, I don't think anybody is. We're kind of figuring it out. So I take this all with a grain of salt. Ha ha. Hold on, coffee break. Gotta drink my coffee. But um, I was using UCAN as fuel, which is only, it's less than, it's like 80 calories per hour and it's super slow. So it's barely anything. And some horrent juice. And um, on occasion, during the bike ride, I think. And it was absolutely crazy. I was able to do a two-hour bike ride and a one-hour run. So three hours altogether on maybe 80 calories per hour or something like that, which is nothing uh, compared to what I usually do. And, And some salt stick. And then um, I averaged... Uh, almost very, very close to the same watts I usually average on the bike. And I ran a pretty good clip. Uh, but I could tell at the end of the run I was done. My body was like, this sucks. <laughs> but it is pretty cool, like, uh, feeling that... Uh, I don't know. It's a weird feeling. You can feel in your body that that you just... You just don't bonk. Um so it's kind of like you've put a safety net in that once you start feeling um, once you start running out of carbs the bonk isn't like this hatchet this guillotine that comes down and just murders you you know you practice this on occasion and when you do bonk it's very gentle so it gives you plenty of time and that's because you're plenty of time to catch back up on, on sugar and that's because um, you don't need that much because uh, your body's burning off of uh, more body fat. It's pretty interesting. I'm not really sure how to explain how I did the whole uh, low carb thing, high fat, low carb, but uh, guacamole, eggs, and more guacamole, and veggies. Uh, so, what kind of veggies? Uh, celery, carrots things that you like, uh, butter in the coffee, lots of salt, salt really helps because it helps you retain water so you don't get a headache um, because you'll get dehydrated 
if you go low carb and then the water loss because carbs hold water with them uh, in your body uh, and then I'm trying to think whatever else I ate you, what's weird is uh, you don't need to eat that much because the the um, higher fat that you go for oh cheese provolone cheese oh my gosh uh, the higher fat that you go for has um, a lot of calories in it. So the calorie balance ends up being about the same. But anyway, yeah, after a while, you just kind of go, I'm not that hungry anymore. Now, then when you do, I was doing hill climbs on Zwift, on the video the video game on bikes. And, uh, boy, I could feel it. I was like, but, but knowing that I was going to, you know, not have the ultimate power <laughs> I pedaled a little bit easier and I was fine um, but you look at, at race day and on race day you would do before climb you would eat some sugar, extra sugar and see I wasn't doing that I was just taking this stuff evenly and I think that you um, just taking however many calories you like to take the right amount um, on race day or on a hard, harder training day um, covers those those hills. So what I was doing, um, super low carb, and then getting on Zwift and riding up a volcano twice is probably not the, um, you know, the, the smartest thing. And that's probably why at the end of my run where I was kind of like, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Anyway, all right, I think uh, that's it for this episode. Uh, next show, let's talk about, uh, in detail, about Kaizen. I've been getting into it lately, and uh, typical, uh, being a typical human, I'm like, man, this is the solution to everything, which is not true. Oh, there's a guy getting pulled over, getting his car checked out. But it does have a lot of promise, and... Uh, I've been researching it and listening to audiobooks on it a lot. And uh, let's talk about it next episode. It could be some really cool stuff that could make some big changes for you. And uh, gives you a method to the, mad- to the madness. Gives you a process or a process, whatever country you're from. All right. Oh, there's a guy in front of me. Wilderness Survival School. It's written on the back of his truck. PrimitiveTexas.com. Oh, I got another cop up here. Ooh, we got something crazy going on. Okay, well, that's it. Everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out.